Hey everyone, welcome to Way of Life Podcast, where we firmly believe that everyone picks a way in life and what way you pick is extremely important and directly affects how you live. In this podcast, we seek to interview people from all around Australia and beyond on life's most important topics. Whether you're a Christian, a skeptic, or someone with a whole heap of questions, this podcast is for you. My name is Matt, a pastor living in Brisbane, Australia. This is Way of Life Podcast. I've got some cool um, questions coming through. Um, so our top voted one is now that the state has taken responsibility for kind of practical love, like hospitals, care for the poor and education, what do you think that we have to offer? Well, there's still plenty of people in, in need around us. And, you know, the fact that the government under the influence of Christian history now does those things as well is fantastic. But the fact is all that the government does still isn't enough. That's why there's yeah. this not-for-profit sector, uh, which yeah. is overpopulated with Christians. Praise God, right? Yeah. Um, and the government knows that the churches are one of the key contributors in Australian society to volunteers and philanthropy. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why, despite the arguments at the moment about whether you should be, whether governments should be taxing churches, governments will not end up taxing churches, and not because they are biased toward Christianity but because they know full well that the churches save the government and therefore all of Australia millions upon millions of dollars because of all the volunteering yeah. hours and free yeah. dollars Christians are, are putting back into the charity economy. So um, the fact that the government does it is a good thing, let's celebrate it, but the gap between the needs and what the government is doing is massive. Unless we yeah. want to, you know, we all want to live on a 60% tax rate you know, like Norway or something, um, yeah. then Christians have to be doing their thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you, I think it was in your book, you said um, a big chunk of the top 50 kind of charities even within Australia are um, fundamentally Christian at heart. More than 40 of them, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're still doing quite a lot in, in, our, in our world. Um, another question, considering the church's past and understanding our calling... What should be the purpose um, slash position of the church in politics? Huh. Um, well, <laughs> I'll say a bunch of things on this. Um, I think pastors and preachers and evangelists in particular must avoid the impression of political partisanship. Um, it's very common in America, where I'm about to pick up my life and go and live, um, yeah. <laughs> for pastors to be really openly pro one party or one politician. Now, yeah. the problem with that is you will lose your gospel credibility with the other half of the population. Mm. So if you care for people's salvation more than you care for politics, you will, as a pastor or a preacher and evangelist, not appear party political. Sure, have your own views, vote your own way, of course. Um, yep. But um, if you value evangelism, reaching people, you will not yep. go public with your with your party position. Um, yeah, but right. you could you could preach on particular issues, right? Um, yeah, but but not 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 in a party political way. 
Um, the, uh, uh, no, that's that's for pastors and preachers and evangelists um, who, who yeah. want to reach people, right? Um, yeah. But on the other hand, Christians who want to do good yeah. and feel that politics is something they're gifted for and there's a good opportunity and they can influence society by going into politics, I am all for Christians getting into politics. Um, yeah. And there are some, we have some great uh, Christians in, in politics. And yeah. um, I think that's, that's to be encouraged. Now, they will forever <laughs> uh, be tarnished as, you know, politically right or politically left. It's just, you know, once yeah. you've been in a political party, that's it, right? And so you will yeah. reduce your ability to Christianly yeah. communicate across the aisle, right? Yeah. Um, even if you have a great reputation for, for, being, yeah. for being generous and, and gentle and so on. Um, but you can do great good uh, as, a, as, a, as a politician. And I think um, so long as the church remembers, like thinking more about the Christian population at this point, um, Mm. so long as the church remembers our principal tool or tools, let me say, um, are prayer, service and persuasion, um, I reckon we should be in every fight. So I I, I don't want us to sort of be in a holy huddle where we don't you know, talk about politics or talk about issues in politics. I'm all yeah. for being open about it, but yeah. we shouldn't be using political manoeuvring, um, horse trading, you know, deals trading, you know, we'll get yeah. our people to vote for you if you give us X, Y, and Z, right? Which happens all the time in politics, but shouldn't happen among Christians. Yeah. Um, but so long as we just say, we're going to keep serving everyone, no matter what their view, we're going to pray our hearts out and we are going to persuade on every issue we can. And that's it. They're our tools. Yeah. I think we should be, you know, actively involved in uh, in the political process. Yeah, that's awesome. That's some good advice. I love that kind of not polarizing yourself, particularly as someone who is seen and um, people talk to a lot um, on a great deal. Yeah. Um, got another question. Um, the Israelites in the Old Testament were instructed to uh, by God to kill pagans, including women and children. How would you explain this to non-Christians? Uh, well, firstly, I say, look, this is a real problem. And and part of me doesn't get it. Part of me is yeah. shocked. And I remember when I read the book of Joshua to my son when he was young, um, mm. I, I remember skipping over a few pages when he wasn't looking because <laughs> I, I didn't want <laughs> to read yet another battle of <clears throat> you know the Israelites killing people. And there are a few things that I say if, you know, if... You know, assuming someone's really willing to listen to a longer answer, I, I, I point out that you need to remember Israel was a tiny little nation of people against much bigger and more bullish nations. So yeah. when they won, it was miraculous. It wasn't like they were a superpower pushing people around. The yeah. other is if you're going to take these stories as real, right, you've got to take the explanation of the stories as real. Okay, so yeah. if our atheist friend goes, oh, look, Joshua went and destroyed this whole village. Um, now, if, if, he's, if that atheist is going to say, look what they did, you also have to read what it says why they did it. You can't have mm. one without the other. And why they yeah. did it, they were bringing God's judgment on a culture that had sunk to the worst depths in human history. That's, that's mm. what it says, right? Yeah. The Canaanites, their evil had grown to a, such, a, such a mass... That, that God brought his judgment upon them. Yeah. And <clears throat> interestingly, here's another thing I point out, um, the Israelites were not meant to do this after they had exacted God's judgment on the Canaanites. 
Um, yeah, so when okay. Israel, um, the nation, had its borders secure, unlike every other nation around them, they never tried to be involved in expansionist projects. They didn't. They didn't go and try and take over Egypt, yep. or up into Syria, or Babylon, right? Yep. They protected their borders, and anyone that came near them, you know, <laughs> they, they did fight. But they weren't an expansion, yep. expansionist thing. So even ancient Jews knew that picking up an army and going and raiding those pagans over there was not permissible. Yeah. Right. So um, the Jews had worked that out, and so wh why that's important is that there's no way you can read the violence of the old testament as justification for modern violence yeah because it's completely a misunderstanding yeah, the situation and on top of that here's my last thought every christian has to read the old testament through the lens of jesus christ the glasses we put on to read the old testament yeah. are jesus christ his gospel yeah. his death his resurrection and mm. it is clear that exacting the judgment of god on people is no longer the role of God's people. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's good. That was a good answer to that question. Um, yeah, this is a good question. Does the church need a reformer now? You talked about um, many different reformers that kind of kept coming up. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a need for a reformer at the moment? Yes, of course. Um, uh, you know, the church in every era need, needs it. And it can be just on a small scale. You know, in some ways, every quality pastor in a church is that reformer um, mm. or it's or it's someone who sits on church council you know one of the elders or it's a bible study leader who can yep. graciously persuade people back to the gospel itself um, mm. <clears throat> so it can happen on a small scale but yes it can happen on a large scale um, yep. I, I think uh, on on stuff like materialistic Christianity uh, we Absolutely. we probably do need some reformers to mm. really help us come back to our calling of, of really caring for the poor, not, not just the kind of social justice warrior thing, you know, um, yeah. which, which can just be worldly, but I mean, a yeah. deep heart for the needs of those around mm -hmm. us as a yeah. central concern of the Christian faith, right alongside evangelism. Mm. Um, we need reformers to point us in that direction, I think. Absolutely. Um, I've got probably time for maybe two more questions and then we'll uh, say our goodbyes. Is church history just the story of a corrupt institution with some amazing individuals who have been saints? No, I think it's the other way. Um, I think it's the story of courageous and godly and loving and transformative communities. Mm with a smattering of bully Christian leaders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually think it's the reverse. Uh, I think if you were transported back into, let's say, mid-7th century French Christianity, um, mm. you'd find that most people were persuaded by Bishop Eligius that we ought to be using our money to buy slaves and free them, uh, caring, yeah. caring for the poor and evangelizing, yeah. just like Bishop Eligius yeah. did. And the fact that there were... Uh, you know, a handful of princely bishops who, you know, you know, ate like kings doesn't undermine that general story. I honestly think the general story of the church is one of charity and humility and love. Absolutely. Nah, I think, I think that too. 
And if you want to read more about the cool saints throughout history, you can, you can read his book as well. We kind of only touched on a couple of things um, here on the podcast. So we've got one more question. Um, what are your thoughts on today's cultural climate? How can we be more in tune with Jesus? Hmm. I reckon in every century, and so it would include this one, um, when Christians allow themselves to accommodate to their host culture, they, they tend to let the gospel go and they become like the culture. Sometimes it's in order to win the culture. You know, we so want to be cool, happy, you know, fun people that we actually become indistingu- indistinguishable from the, you know, the pagan world. <clears throat> when we do that, we're going to find problems. Yeah. And, and, and then the solution is what seems to me the solution in every century of Christianity. Yeah. When we return to the Gospels, and I actually mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yeah. uh, that we are corrected. Because what you find in the Gospels with crystal clarity, I mean, it's true of all Scripture, but it's mostly clear, mm. uh, most true of the Gospels. We find the yeah. person, Jesus Christ, who is our yeah. Savior, who is the embodiment mm. of God himself, who preached a Gospel and whose own life, death, and resurrection is our gospel when yeah. you return to the gospels and are confronted with jesus mm. and realize what he's done for you and therefore how you out of thankfulness can reflect his own life and love yeah that's when we reform ourselves that's when Absolutely. we not just hear the beautiful tune of jesus but but begin mm. to sing along as well so go back to the yeah. gospels put them at the center of our devotional life that's so good oh that's awesome Thank you so much for answering some of uh, the questions no from our listeners. Thanks so much. And um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been such an honor Pleasure. for myself and for us here and for future listeners. And honestly, uh, you're going over to the States to be at Wheaton College and all the best with that. I'm so happy that you're going to continue your podcast and continue to do things uh, that benefit us, uh, particularly in Australia. Um, we've loved um, having you here tonight so everyone uh, watching this in the future and everyone here tonight um, make sure you support John and um, his uh, Undeceptions podcast and all his books that he does because um, he's doing some awesome work so thanks John That's kind. thank you very much no problems let's give him a hand <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much God bless well I hope you have an awesome night and uh, all the best John thanks for having me thank you see ya Thank you.